Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Unveiling Grace podcast. So glad you've decided to join us today. I'm Joel Grote. And I'm Lynn Wilder. And we have um, an interesting couple with us today, somebody I've known through um, technology, (laughs) Facebook, but never met face-to-face. So this is the closest that we've ever gotten, Carl and Sherry Wimmer. Carl's a former um, Utah House of Representative member back when he was LDS. Carl and his wife are now... um, evangelical believers and Carl's a Baptist pastor. So welcome. We're eager to hear your story. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I, I, uh, I remember telling Sherry when I took this pastoralship, when I took this uh, church uh, in Duchesne, I'm like, I'm a Baptist pastor. <laughs> it was just very, uh, it was very strange. It was, it was just, it, it was strange to say. Well, when we first left the church, I told Carl anywhere but a Baptist church. Oh, yeah. Because right. I just had a negative impression of it, I guess, mm-hmm. as an LDS member. <laughs> oh, but this God is funny, isn't he? And my just wife and I have attended a Baptist church for decades, and the amount of people that came that said, you know, I never thought I'd see the day I would join a Baptist church, but there are ones that are out of the negative stereotype. And so that's kind of what you're going for. Yeah, exactly right. uh, Carl and Sherry, so just tell us a little bit about your background growing up and, you know, kind of your spiritual history, a little bit of your journey. Uh, That's kind of always where we like to start with people. So perfect. That sounds good. We, uh, so Sherry and I both grew up uh, uh, in Utah, uh, raised LDS. Um, in fact, we grew up for the most part in the same LDS ward. Um, she oh, moved. Wow. <laughs> yeah, she moved into our neighborhood, uh, kind of our neighborhood, into our ward area when uh, I was in fourth grade and she would have been in second grade. And <laughs> yeah, and her her older brother. Uh, is is the exact same age as I am, and we became best friends right from the get go. Her older brother and I, and to this day, um, I consider her older brother, my brother in law, to be my best friend. Uh, we, oh, that's so cool. Except for her, of course. You know, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, uh, we have a daughter who also married her older brother's best friend. That would be Joe and Katie. Yes, very good, very good. <laughs> yeah, it, it was so. It's very odd, very strange when we actually did start dating. That was, and that didn't happen until we were both out of high school. We, we on occasion we went on, we went on. Well, we went to a dance. We went to a oh, dance or it. high school dance out of, you know, more out of convenience than anything else, I guess, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to go alone. You want to go alone? No. Okay. We'll go together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And where um, in Utah were you? <laughs> we, uh, we grew up in West Valley, West uh, Valley City. So, um, and uh, we, we were just very faithful. You're very typical youth uh, growing up in the church. Um, 
Sherry went to the temple uh, and, and, and did the endowment ceremony before I did, in fact. Um, I, I'm not sure uh, oh, why. Yeah, I think I went on my 20th birthday. I just wanted to go and my bishop said, okay. So, all right. And um, yeah. Yeah. So, and then I, I, I didn't go on a mission, although I, I always tell people I was LDS worthy to go on a mission, but I had this, uh, I had this delusion that I was going to uh, go to the 1996 Olympics as a boxer. I was a, a pretty good amateur fighter and, and interesting. <laughs> and so I, that's kind of what I focused on and, and and then after that, I went into the police academy. And so I never did go on an LDS mission. And I remember the, you know, the Mormon guilt that I had for that, uh, because mm. everyone wonders, well, why don't you go on a mission? What did you do wrong? Oh, yeah. yeah. So but, it was just uh, a, it was a, just a kind of career path trajectory that, so how close did you get to, uh, to the Olympics? <laughs> Not close enough. Let's just okay. say that. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> um, I was a good, I was a very, uh, very good local fighter um, and regional fighter, but uh, to go to the Olympics, you had to be on a, a whole other level than where I was. We'll just say that. Um, so, so when did I, you get married, Sherry, and did you marry in the temple? Uh-huh. Yeah, we did. Um, we did. Uh, well, he started his career in law enforcement before we were married, about a year before we were married. And then uh, we started dating. I was, I think it was before I was 21. Anyway, um, we dated for about a year, got married. And um, 98. yeah, in 98 in the Bountiful Temple. Yeah. Wow. We, chose, we chose Bountiful Temple because Carl had a spiritual experience there when right. he went through the open house there at the Bountiful Temple. And so, so. we thought, let's do that. And so, oh. you know. So Tell we us went, about that. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, I, I thought what I, I, I we were going through the uh, we went through that bountiful temple and it at, at the time uh, I had another girlfriend um, and we she wasn't really active in, in the church or anything. But we, we go through the temple. And as a matter of fact, my other girlfriend prior to dating Sherry was with us. And and I really wanted her to be active in the church. And uh, so I really just I felt like I had Dingner had a vision of sorts that uh, told us that told me that she needed to start getting active in the church. And, um, and so me and this other girl started going to church, but it quickly fell apart. Praise God, because it wasn't long after that relationship fell apart that uh, Sherry and I started dating. It was great. Okay. So Sherry, was there any issue with you or with your family that he wasn't a return missionary? Because I know within Utah culture, that's um, no, that's often um, an issue. They knew me. So I, okay. yeah, they knew him, but also I have three brothers and only one of them went on a mission. Okay. Okay. So in your family, it was all right. Yeah. That well, was you got okay. married in the temple. Yeah. That's you right. Got that's right. Mike and I married. used to go to the Bountiful Temple on date nights. Um, and there was a really good Chinese restaurant near there. <laughs> <Over> there. <laughs> that's great well that's that's where we were married and and uh we we attended the temple as a married couple as often as you could you know you're supposed to go and so we did right. and we eventually moved out of west valley and moved to harriman uh, which is in the southwest corner of salt lake county 
And uh, there, it, that's when we really started engaging in the LDS church heavily. Uh, she was placed in the Relief Society presidency. I was uh, made Elders Corn president uh, in an area that was just booming with growth, uh, different ward splits and even a stake split um, wow. through, through my presidency as the Elders Corn president. We started having kids. We started having kids uh, there in Harriman and started raising them LDS. And uh, anyway, it was, it, we were your very typical LDS family. I think uh, before we ended up leaving the church, we had two of them. Our two oldest biological children were baptized in the church. The youngest yeah. didn't quite make it to eight. So right before we, before yeah, God, before we left. Jesus called us out. So. Okay. Okay. So what was that point? What what began your questioning? Ah, uh, gee, uh, I think that it it it, it uh, took God uh, humbling me me, um, and bringing her, it, it was, a. he was working on both of us at the same time oh, in different, wow. in That's different ways. Cool. Yeah. In different ways that we didn't know. But, uh, for me, it was a matter of humbling me because, um, I was the walking embodiment of arrogance. Um, I, uh, I liked to commonly say that, uh, I'm good at everything I do. That's what I would tell. <laughs> that's what I would tell people. It was unbelievable arrogance. Um, at, at, uh, there was a 10 year period between 1999 and 2008, where I was a competitive weightlifter. Um, in fact, I was the world bench press champion, um, three or four different times. I won the world title in weightlifting oh, and, and then in 2006, I ran for the Utah house of representatives and I won. Um, in a landslide victory. Um, and I quickly become very, very popular in Utah as a politician. I was the Tea Party darling. Um, I helped form this national organization called the Patrick Henry Caucus. And Glenn Beck caught wind of it. And so I was on the Glenn Beck TV show when he was on Fox News. I was on his show three different times. I uh, he flew me back to New York and I was in studio with Glenn Beck and he interviewed me and I was on Judge Napolitano's show and just a lot of national attention. And yeah, I, I was just riding high. I was riding the high of arrogance and recognition and we, we couldn't go. We couldn't go to restaurants anywhere in the state without being recognized. So I'm curious, did you have an interest in politics or did they seek you out because you were a bit um, well-known probably for your sports stuff at this point, right? Yeah, I was, I was uh, how do we say, I was recruited to run. Uh, okay. That's what I figured. I, yeah, I had the right uh, political stances on issues and um, I had the right political stance on issues and uh, there was some very... Good people, no, nothing nefarious about it, but there were some very good people who were willing to fund a campaign for a strong candidate. And so wow. um, I was very, very strongly financially backed um, when I ran. Yeah. So Sherry, were you okay with all of this in your life? Yeah, it, it was an adventure okay. and it was fun. Our kids enjoyed campaigning. Um, when, so he eventually he ran for 
U.S. Congress. And that became a little bit stressful because we never saw him. He was never home. Oh, wow. um, but that was rough. yeah, it was still an adventure. We did a lot of fun things with the legislature and um, yeah. we learned a lot too. So. Yeah. And I guess when you're, when you're a candidate that's being pursued by the party, that would seem a whole different feel than if you're like bucking the system or you know, simply being the underdog, when you've already got people's support, then. Right. Yes. And, and, I think and I know also... where this is going, Joel. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, when I, I was so popular that I knew I was going to win this congressional race. And so we filed to run in 2012. And I was so certain I, I broke, I broke all sorts of fundraising records. Um, I had, I had fundraisers back in Washington, D.C. that people that were less popular then, but they're well known now, like Ted Cruz and, and different people. Uh, they they knew my name. They know back then. I mean, uh, Jim Jordan, uh, who's very, very popular today, um, was very, very complimentary and supportive. We had dinners in Washington, D.C. together. And so I, I was practically picking out drapes back there for my office. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, I lost. I lost big. Um, it was absolutely the biggest shock of my life to lose. And, and shortly after that, um, because of my fundraising success, the Nevada GOP, um, in a mix-up, it was a mix-up. Um, I don't blame anybody today, but um, I was hired to go and be a political director for the Nevada GOP. And I was driving down and I was to St. George when I got a call from a reporter who informed me that uh, there had been a mix up and I was not really hired. And so oh, all wow. of this, all of this played out in the news media, you know, Carl Wimmer leaving Utah to, for Nevada, Carl Wimmer coming back to Utah. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> scandal, right? Oh, it was dear. a scandal, but so I'm now, uh, I had left police work for politics. And so I'm now unemployed, overweight, former politician. And <laughs> it was, it was depressing. Uh, so so, so what decided, was happening? What was happening within your LDS context in terms of your faithfulness, church attendance, callings? Um, yeah. Um, I was no longer eligible for president because when you run for Congress, you can't really be eligible for president. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but we were still faithful. Yeah. We, 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 were, were, we were still attending church yeah. um, in Harriman. And then uh, when that Nevada thing fell through, he decided to go back into law enforcement because He's he right had right. taken a break from law enforcement. Sure. Um, so. He got hired in Gunnison. I told him I wanted a small town. I wanted to get out of the spotlight. So he wanted anonymity, which wasn't. Yeah. So he he was hired in Gunnison and we I sent him down early. And then the rest of me and the kids, we went down after that. And um, that is where everything this, happened. Everything happened. Because okay. So so Let's bring some faith into this. So did you believe you were very LDS at the time that you somehow had pleased God and he was then willing to use you to kind of help promote the Mormon church or um, tell me what was in your mind. <laughs> Sherry's like, yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. God used us in a, an amazing way because 
our what happens next became very very known it was in the newspaper mm -hmm. and everything but uh we got down there carl was very depressed and he just it was he was in a bad place at that time and uh, but we plugged into the church there the lds church i was in the primary presidency i was teaching the kids about the book of abraham at the time and okay. carl Carl yeah. was kind of being recruited for the elders quorum presidency again, and mm -hmm. he was given a lesson to teach. So yeah. go ahead. So I don't even remember what the lesson was about, but it was uh, in the winter of 2012. And I, <clears throat> that's, I was just preparing the lesson. I came across things that I had never heard before about the LDS church. Um, and it's fine, whatever. So like website searches, just in terms of yeah. your prep or? Yeah, just doing some prep for my, the lesson I was going to teach at the LDS uh -huh. church. And, and um, none of this stuff really bothered me, except I came across a quote from a man who was kind of revered in my house growing up, B.H. Uh, Roberts. B.H. Yeah. Roberts, who's well-known. Historian. historian, probably the uh -huh. most respected LDS historian ever. Yes. And he was asked to look at a book called The View of the Hebrews. And he was, he was asked by the first presidency to look at this book and give them feedback. And the quote that I remember seeing B.H. Roberts write back to them was, he, he told them, he said, if, if you don't get a good answer for the similarities between the Book of Mormon and the view of the Hebrews, as well as the anachronisms in the Book of Mormon, it's going to destroy the faith of the youth of the church. Oh. And I thought, oh, well, B.H. Roberts knows his stuff, and he's saying that I got to get a copy of this view of the Hebrews. So, in my political wow. in my political connections, I got to know a couple evangelicals. Um, one of which was Terry Long of Calvary oh, Chapel. Oh yes, and so there. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I sent Terry a Facebook message saying, "Hey, you got a bookstore in your church? Do you happen to have a copy of the View of the Hebrews?" <laughs> and, and he says. Absolutely. It'll be in the mail tomorrow. What else do you do? You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. something else, something going on. Well, he sent that book, which I didn't read at first because he sent another book, the book that would forever change my life. Uh, probably the most influential book outside the Bible. And it is the insider view of Mormon origins by mm. grandpa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, Terry, stuff that in the package for me and <laughs> and i thought that that yeah. would be a safe i thought that'd be a safe book to read because it was written by grant palmer when he was the head of the lds church institutes in california right he so was a ces instructor right. and mm -hmm. taught he taught the college seminary the institute and so i thought this will be and we took institute classes uh sherry and i both and so i'm like i can i can read that um the book wrecked me it completely destroyed me. Um, I didn't believe a thing that Grant Palmer was writing. I didn't. I, I, I believe the book was full of demonic lies and darkness. And I, and I hated that man for this work that he did trying to destroy the LDS church. And I decided I was going to prove him wrong. Wow. And uh, yeah, I decided I, I, I don't I don't I don't take people's word for it. I'm going to prove him wrong. And so I started doing an incredible amount of research, and uh, but I didn't want Sherry to know I was researching. 
um, that's, uh, it was kind of private. And I, I mm-hmm. so I would wait I, late at night. I'd wait for her to go to sleep and I'd, I'd like nudge her. And, Are you asleep? And she doesn't answer. I'd sneak out into the living room and I'd turn <laughs> right on low and I'd read Grant Palmer's book and then I'd do some research. And um, it, uh, over a period of time, the more I researched, the more I realized that everything the man said was true. Yeah. Um, Everything that he said about the issues with the book of Abraham that she was teaching primary kids, mm-hmm. uh, Kinderhook plates, the first vision issues, the polyandry, the child brides of Joseph Smith, sending men on missions and marrying their wives, all this stuff that is just unbelievable stuff was true. Right. I, I and now this is about what year? This was the end of 2012. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the internet is totally accessible i mean you can you can actually you can verify the stuff that's the thing right but i even went down and i met a friend uh, an old business acquaintance for lunch and then i stopped at byu i stopped at byu to kind of see if i could figure out you know some of their library stuff didn't really help me any but they did tell me to reach out to the uh former farms but it's now called fair lds people right right so i did I, I, I sent Fair LDS an email with some of the issues I had, and uh, their responses made it way worse, way yeah. worse, because <laughs> they affirmed and confirmed most of my problems. They said, yep, you're, that's an issue. Yep, that's an issue. Yep, that's an issue. And then they said, but, and their answers, their apologetic answers were so weak so weak it it, it just it, it ruined it for me um i yeah. still remember getting i still getting remember getting emails about the stupidest thing ever about horses in america how you know we we know the horses did not belong in north america until the spanish brought them here in the 1500s with conquistadors and yet they're in the book of mormon and their answer to that was yes we know there were not horses however they what they identified as horses was a tapir Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. South American. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a tapir, a, a thing about the size of a St. Bernard dog that looks like a pig with a long nose. That's what they claim were the Book of Mormon horses that King Lamoni allegedly hooked his chariots to and drove into battle. Yeah. I, I, and I, tapers, I, if you've ever seen a taper, it's like, okay. I, grew up in, I grew up in South America. So, I mean, I saw tapers oh, even in the wild. So when I heard that argument, I went, do these people even know what a taper is? <laughs> Believe no one I there's no one who's going to confuse a taper with a horse i'm sorry no. oh no. sherry did you have any inkling that he was doing this he was getting grumpier and grumpier that's all i knew oh, but yeah. meanwhile at church for me i was beginning to dread going to church i had no purpose there i didn't want to teach i hated the music and the reason being is because we had been listening to christian music going to christian concerts for 10 years by then yeah. whoa okay. so i absolutely hate i despised the organ i hated <laughs> the hymns that they had that were slow and meaningless and praising man rather than God. And I couldn't even sing in church anymore. So I felt like God was putting me in a place, preparing me to go to Carl and say, what's going on? (laughs) We didn't know. I didn't didn't know she dreaded going to church. And and had, had she told me, 
I would have brutalized her because I was kind of a brutal legalistic Mormon. Um, okay. I, I, I just, I remember I, I absolutely tore her apart one time when, when this is just stupid, but she brought red wine vinegar home uh, oh. and, and she was going to make salad dressing with it. And I brutalized her yeah, for that. It was not nice. No, because wow. it, it was red but, wine vinegar. And Carl, but don't you think that goes with the, well, don't you think that goes with the whole arrogance, um, viewing yourself highly, feeling like you've got the answers and the viewpoint. And so then when somebody comes along who like doesn't coincide, it's like, hey, let me set you straight. Um, yeah, yeah, that's probably right. That's I'm, probably I'm really right. happy that Sherry is smiling because it lets me know you guys <laughs> me have resolved too. this. And it is yeah. I mean, Story. I mean, like, because, you know, he wasn't a perfect person, but yet he would criticize me for wanting, for enjoying a little bit too much Jack Daniels barbecue sauce, you know? Like, <laughs> what's the big deal? Oh. So, Lynn, yeah. how are are we close to time? I heard we, like, we are. And um, oh, I am eager to ask about some of the marital stuff as this, because, right? Um, so, as an LDS male, you're feeling some sense of, um, oh, I own this and I'm righteous and I'm going to tell her and I have authority and I have the priesthood, right? And yet, <laughs> as biblical Christians, all of that changes. Yeah. And yeah. that is a teaser for next time. Uh, we need to do a part two. And so we are eager to see yeah. how this story with a former policeman, House of Representatives, a member, and boxer, right? Or did you say wrestler? Boxer. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, grace and peace to you. So long. Thanks so much for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. You can find show notes and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. We have an exciting announcement. Michael Wilder's new book, Passport to Heaven, is out. And for a donation of $20 or more to the podcast, we'll send it to you. It's the true story of a zealous Mormon missionary who discovers the Jesus he never knew. Just go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the Micah's Book button to get yours. We appreciate your support of the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals.